every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Well, it's First Draft. I'm Chris Brown, talking to Todd McShay. He gets ready for another snowstorm. And Mel Kuyper. And I know this is all about the draft, but guys, the draft is kind of uh, kind of taking a back seat now, and a lot of dominoes are starting to pile up and shoot in different def- directions because of the craziness of free agency, which hasn't even started yet, but also because of trade season that is preempting free agency. I just wanted to take a, a look today at all these crazy moves that have happened over the last few days, more that could come, uh, Kirk Cousins among them. And then look at the draft ramifications. Right off the top, Mel, the Cleveland Browns now have Tyrod Taylor in there. Is he the bridge quarterback or is he something more? They have Jarvis Landry there. 400 receptions in his first four NFL seasons. Um, Whatever he is, he is productive. He's played 16 games all four of those seasons. They also have Demarius Randall. And Deshaun Kaiser has been shipped to Green Bay. So the Browns making these sweeping changes in the last week. For both of you, Mel, get us started. Does this make you think they are more likely to take a quarterback at one or maybe more likely to wait until, I don't know, number four? Well, they're going to take a quarterback. It's just a question of who and how their strategy, what their strategy becomes. But I think you look at what they have now and what John Dorsey, the new GM, has done. He still retained one, four, 33, 35, and 64. So they still have right. five picks, very high, to, to obviously incorporate more personnel into the football team. Now, in terms of Landry, they only gave up a fourth round pick, 123rd overall, the seventh in 2019. So you get a kid who's a heck of a player. Uh, you got to pay him, but you still don't give up much. And you get Kaiser, move him for Randall, who was a former first-round pick. Now, he's had a up-and-down, rocky career. We know that, but he's got 10 career interceptions. He's got talent. He's only 25. He was a former, I'd say, a former first-round pick of the Packers. Tyrod Taylor is that stopgap. And I think he was a free agent in 2019. But you think about what they gave up for him. It was a high pick. The first pick in the third round, that's like a two. So that's not a – it wasn't like, you know, they, it was cheap. And they got him to be their quarterback and not have to put pressure on, you know, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, whoever they decide is the quarterback that they love of those two moving forward. Uh, Danny Shelton, move him. Uh, basically a third-round pick in 2019. New England gets Shelton in a fifth-round pick. So all these moves, and uh, and Todd, it's always the case. And Chris, when you, you inherit players and you get players, mm-hmm. you're going to move some of those guys who you weren't as high on as the organization that drafted them, be it Shelton, be it Kaiser. And now you pick up guys that they may have had a high grade on Randall when he came out, obviously. Landry, we know what he can do. And Tyrod is a stopgap quarterback for the you know, to get to the next young guy and, and not to put pressure on that quarterback, as Wentz was not going to be pressured because Bradford was there. Bradford got hurt. Wentz was forced to be the guy. That's going to be the plan with Tyrod. Tyrod Taylor and the young quarterback in Buffalo, and now who's yeah. now in Cleveland. Yeah, similar to the what the Bears did as well mm-hmm. with Mike Glennon, and then moving up and going and getting Trubisky with their first round pick last year. I I think it's interesting because now if you're Cleveland, if you're John Dorsey, do you look at this and say, all right, well we've we've got a, a stopgap, we've got a, a solid starter quarterback for for at least a year, and we like two or three of these quarterbacks. 
but we love Saquon Barkley. And we know if we bring him in now with, you know, with uh, Jarvis Landry, we've got, we're starting to get some more weapons. We get an elite running back to go with a wide receiver core that now is starting to look respectable and more than respectable, really. Really? Yeah. And, and so if we bring in Barkley, do we just, now we got the weapons around it. And then at four, we're going to sit there and, Know that one of the three quarterbacks we like is going to be there at that pick. Where, and for me, Josh Allen would be perfect in this scenario because now you have a year to to work with him and develop him in terms of his consistency with his accuracy. Get get on his footwork, drill it into into him, and give him a year to develop and hopefully not have to play him in year one. And if that's the case, and you got a pretty good situation moving forward, but are you going to take that risk if you're Dorsey? If you only really truly love one of these guys or two of these guys? There's a chance they're both gone by the time you get to number four. There's no, there's no guarantee in the world that a team isn't going to move up and and grab that number three spot from the Colts, or that number two spot from the Giants, and and then all of a sudden those two quarterbacks are gone. You're sitting at number four, and yeah, you get Minka Fitzpatrick. That's good. He's a really good player, and and he's going to add some versatility to your defense, and that's great. Or Denzel Ward, the cornerback. Either way. But it's not getting the quarterback of the future. And now you've, you've missed again, or you've, you've failed to take advantage of an opportunity. So it's going to be, I think, fascinating to see what Dorsey does and how he manages these two picks. Yeah, and I think, I think also, Chris, for John Dorsey, think about his, you know, his history. Last mm-hmm. year, Cream Hunt was the third round pick for the Kansas City Chiefs. Who drafted Cream Hunt? John Dorsey did. Uh, he was, he mm-hmm. made that choice of Kareem Hunt out of Toledo, had a great rookie year. In Green Bay, if you think about the history of the Packers when John Dorsey was in Green Bay, a lot of running backs were taken, but not early. Not early so, on. Exactly. So he's got a history of finding running backs and the, the Dorsey Levens yep. of, out of Notre Dame late, you know, Georgia Tech, Notre Dame. So it, to me, it's about philosophy and do you value Saquon Barkley enough as a running back at number one over the quarterback? who you could very easily. Now that Buffalo has all these draft picks, Todd, Chris, they got 21, 22, 53, 56, 65, and 96. That's the first pick of the third round at 65. So to me, you're going to, you lose a Josh Allen or a Darnold. You lose both of them. This is a team that passed on Ben Roethlisberger, uh, an organization that passed on Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, and Deshaun Watson. Now to lose these quarterbacks and have Tyrod Taylor. Buffalo thought so much of Tyrod Taylor, they benched him for Nate Peterman, mm-hmm. brought him back, Got him to the playoffs, and all of a sudden now they say goodbye. So it doesn't mean anything just because they let him go. But we know with Tyrod Taylor in Baltimore, and then in Buffalo, he's a he's a decent quarterback. Is he a, a guy you can win big with? Probably not. So to me, you can't if you're Cleveland, Todd. You can't risk now that Buffalo has all this ammunition to move up, and we got other teams that will be looking to move up as well. And the Giants have already hinted they may be looking to move out. The Colts obviously could. You could move. You could wait till four and end up with, like you say, nothing. And I don't think they're in a position where they can do it. I think they have to look at Taylor now, the perfect stopgap, to draft the guy that they deem between now and then. we got pro days coming up. Darnold's pro day is going to be very big. He didn't throw at the combine. Uh, Josh Allen's pro day is coming up. He already wowed everybody at the combine. So, to me, <laughs> I, I just talked to Craig Bowl Saturday on the Daria Mel show this, this weekend, Todd. Yeah, mm-hmm. Craig Bowl's got every GM in the league talking about Josh Allen. All the teams want to are going to Craig Bowl, who coached Carson Wentz. Craig Bowl was a defensive guy. That's his specialty, his defense. So like he said, everything we did on defense was try to negate now. And we knew what Allen had to do against offenses, against defenses. He's a defensive guru. Uh, you know, that opinion of Bowles is valued by a lot of people in the league. So that'll be important. But I, I think Cleveland's taking a quarterback at one. Hey. 
Todd, you pointed to this, but I just wanted to clarify it. I think what you were saying is is that Cleveland, by getting that true stopgap in Tyrod Taylor, maybe a stopgap plus. I mean, the guys won some games. And, you know, what's interesting, John Dorsey, uh, when he took over in Kansas City, he went and got a quarterback who obviously, and Alex Smith, many people thought was limited. But one thing Alex Smith does really well, limit interceptions. Plenty of people think Tyrod Taylor is limited, but what has he done over the last three years as a starter in Buffalo? 16 total interceptions. The Browns threw 28 last year. The guy has limited Mm -hmm. interceptions. But again, to Todd's point, did the Browns just free themselves up to go for ceiling? Whether that's, that's not just about Josh Allen. We all know that all the talk there is about ceiling. Maybe they see the bigger ceiling in Darnold. I think in either, either way, I think they just made it easier at that number one pick potentially because they say, hey, we can go for ceiling. We don't have to worry about this guy playing right away. And Todd, he mentioned John Dorsey. John Dorsey last year was he was in Canada. I mentioned Kareem Hunt last year. He traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. Again, a ceiling guy. He had Alex Smith, who he brought in Alex Smith, but Alex Smith was kind of a plateau quarterback. Yeah, he had become kind of a plateau quarterback. I'll get you there, but I'm not going to get you where you want to go, which is a Super Bowl. So I'll go for the gunslinger and Patrick Mahomes, who wasn't perfect. John Dorsey drafted Patrick Mahomes. Why? Brett, who was in Green Bay with uh, John? Brett Favre was. So who was who, who was the comp to Patrick Mahomes? It was the gunslinger Brett Favre. Josh Allen is a big arm guy. Uh, you know what does John Dorsey do? He goes up to get Mahomes. And a lot of people thought Mahomes, ah, borderline first. Hey, he's got some, but he ended up going way up to get Mahomes. Took Mahomes over to Sean Watson. So that was John Dorsey last year in Kansas City orchestrating that move. And and very similarly, I think a year ago we were sitting here talking about of all the guys who could go in the first round. Mahomes is the one who needs the most work, but he has the highest ceiling. And I think, Allen, you would say the same thing. Mayfield's got more starts, more polished. Uh, when you look at Sam Darnold, I, I think he, he is a little bit more polished at this point. I, I just think that it's very similar, and that Josh Allen would not surprise me a bit. Darnold would not surprise me a bit either. I think it's it really, in my opinion, I don't know, but I'm guessing – that it comes down to one of those two quarterbacks. And if it, it turns out to be Allen, it is very similar to the Mahomes scenario a year ago where you, you say, you know what, this guy's got a chance, as you were alluding to, Sproul, this guy's got a chance to be special, elite, but he needs work, and he's not ready just yet. So let's get him in. Let's give him a year to adjust to the NFL. Let's work out some of the kinks in the pocket with his mechanics. And I think it would be very similar in terms of what you're getting with Josh Allen compared to Mahomes a year ago in Kansas City. And think also about this. What system do you like a quarterback coming out of, Wyoming's offense or Texas Tech's offense? Right. Yeah, I would Answer say the question. Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming. Yeah, it's pretty Wyoming. Wyoming it's not, not Texas Tech's offense. I didn't even. Hey. I thought it was rhetorical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like what offense do you want? It's pretty, that's above. a simple question. So to me, and, and I'll ask you this, Todd: Josh Allen's final NFL grade compared to Patrick Mahomes' final NFL grade with you, what will it be? What, what's the difference going to be? Very similar. Very similar. They're right. Yeah, they're both. I mean, I think right around ninety, ninety-one, somewhere in that range. So they're very similar in terms of what they can be, potential-wise, but not not yet there, not polished, not ready to go in and start day one. I mean, who is? But very few guys are. But you know, Andrew Luck, I, I felt confident that day one he would be a solid starter and, and be ready for the NFL. I don't think I don't view either of these guys as that. But I do I do think the ceiling is extremely high for both. 
Guys, another big move in the last, you know, 48 hours that I want to talk about as it pertains to the NFL draft. San Francisco is acting like a team with the quarterback they have, the deal they got done with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now Richard Sherman is in. Is a team that won one out essentially November and December last year to finish the 2017 season after a disastrous start with bad QB play. They think they have things in place. Now there's a lot of talk that this is a team that's playing with the playoffs in mind suddenly. I mean, Todd, starting with you, A, do you buy it? That's part of the reason you would bring in a guy like Richard Sherman if you feel like you're you're adding some of the final pieces to a pretty good team and not just a rebuilding team. And B, what does that make you think as it pertains to this NFL draft? Do you want to get your guy right away there at number three that you think is a great player that can play right away? Or like a more established team, you're thinking, ah, maybe this is an opportunity to trade down, add draft capital, see what else you can pick up later. What are you thinking as you look at the Niners, a team that could continue to be aggressive as free agency starts? Yeah, I've... I think John Lynch has done a, a terrific job, you know, and, and for the inexperience that he had coming into the league and at his position to, to hit on, to find the quarterback, no matter how it happened, they've, they found their quarterback and a guy that I think you can, you can win big with in, in Jimmy Garoppolo. And now you, you, you start to add some different parts. I, I, I don't see any issue with swinging for it this year. Why not? I mean, you won out with this quarterback. You've got a lot of confidence going into next year. You've, you're starting to put it some more pieces together. I think the 49ers will make another couple moves when it comes to free agency. You go and get a linebacker like a Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech or a, a Roquan Smith from Georgia and, and try to solidify or at least upgrade that, you know, the personnel on the defensive side of the ball. Mel, to me, this is a, a team that I think legitimately has a chance to play for the playoffs next year. Yeah, it's getting to be a heck of a rivalry with the 49ers and the Rams. Remember the old days when I grew up, that was a big, big rivalry. Rams, 49ers, uh, Roman Gabriel, John Brody. I mean, it there was phenomenal watching all those great players for those two teams. But uh, to beat out Detroit, Tennessee, you know, Green Bay, you know, Houston, Oakland, Tampa Bay, there was a lot of teams that were interested in, in Richard Sherman. And uh, the 49ers got him. We said that was a big need area. I thought Denzel Ward they may look at now. They could go another direction there, obviously. I don't know if Edmonds would be there uh, when they're picking at nine. I'm not sure about that. I think Edmonds is going to be so mm-hmm. red hot come draft that he may go top five. But I think in terms of the 49ers, yeah, they feel like they can do it now. Seattle's kind of now got the arrow pointing down a bit. You know, it's kind of a restructured team. Things have to happen now. Michael Bennett's been moved. Uh, he now he ends up going to Philadelphia. We can talk about that move in a minute. But I think you look at this this division. It's the Rams right now and the 49ers. That old rivalry is going to be reestablished. Guys, one other thought out of some of these big moves. We pointed to it on the Browns thing, but with Tyrod Taylor going to Cleveland, I mean the door is wide open. Todd, are you comfortable with the idea of? Sorry, I'm laughing, but. We saw what happened during the season with Nathan Peterman as your week one starter, or do you feel it's pretty obvious that the Bills are in the mix for a Case Keenum or an A.J. McCarron or one of these guys with the also possibility, nice grammar, Sprout, with the possibility that they also, with their draft assets, they have a couple picks in each of the first three rounds, are a team that jumps up maybe into that two spot, into that three spot, to grab one of these quarterbacks. What are you thinking as you assess Buffalo right now? Uh, 
you know, are they able to to get Kirk Cousins or or Keenum to Buffalo? And I'm guessing it's unlikely, considering how many other teams are are in the market and are you know putting together big offers for these guys. So if that's the case, I think the Bills are very very likely to wind up moving up in the first round and, and going after a quarterback. The question becomes, and we've seen it the last two years. You know, we, we, we saw it with Jared Goff. We saw it with Carson Wentz. We saw it with Deshaun Watson, Mahomes last year, Trubisky. We talked about all five of the teams that wound up with those quarterbacks in the first round the last two years had to go move up and spend a decent amount to go, to go get these guys. And in some cases, they move big moves up the board. Uh, so I think the Bills are, are very likely to be one of those teams. I, I just I don't know that they're going to be able to land a top quarterback. And I think when you, you start to look at it, they have the ammunition. But what's it going to take to go up and actually go get their guy? And is it worth it? You know what? If they hit, it absolutely is. I've said this before. No one ever talks about uh, Howie and, and the, the Eagles, what they had to go get, you know, give away to go up and get Wentz. Because they got their guy. So to me, it, it doesn't matter what you have to give up. It's making sure you that you get the right guy. And in this case, Mel, to me, I would guess you'd have to move up from 21, 22 into the top 10, ahead of Miami, uh, ahead of Arizona sitting at 15. And, and, and it won't surprise me at all if either of those teams try to move up. It won't surprise me if the Jets, if they don't land a, mm-hmm. a big free agent, if they, if they don't wind up packaging some picks to move up ahead of Denver and to get into that uh, top three, especially if, if the Browns don't take a quarterback at one. So uh, this thing's going to be interesting, and I, I fully expect there to be movement similar to what we've seen the last two years. Yeah, a couple things on the Bills, Todd and Chris. I think you look at, okay, if you move up to two, you know you're who you're getting. Uh, you're getting one of the top two quarterbacks, guaranteed. So mm-hmm. you can make that move, you know, whenever you want to make it. If you wait right. till draft kind of like day, the Redskins did a long time ago. Yeah, so you can wait a little bit, and then you see like Mahomes and Watson, see who's slipping down a little bit, and see what quarterbacks is dropping into that eight through fourteen range, eight through twelve range, which is the hot spot for them with twenty one, twenty two, fifty three, and fifty six, and sixty five, which is the first pick in the third round. All those picks to move up and get that guy if they see a say. You know, Mayfield drops down, Rosen drops down, which is entirely It's a possible. dangerous game to play, though, Mel. No, I'm just <laughs> saying, play, if they if see... You have, if you haven't landed a quarterback... Right. That's but a dangerous you know, game. You're but, playing Russian roulette. Right, but if they like those two, they know they're not going top five, then they could make that move. My point is on draft day, as opposed to making it early when gotcha. you're going to move up to two. Now, to me, if you bring in, and we saw Matt Flynn go to Seattle, and then Seattle drafts Russell Wilson in the third round, and Matt Flynn I mean, it falls by the wayside. So the best laid plan sometimes. As I said, Bradford was going to be the guy. Wentz was drafted. Bradford hurt. Wentz steps in. So sometimes you're bringing in, say Buffalo brings in A.J. McCarron or Sam Bradford. I don't think that eliminates them from drafting a, a quarterback. So no. uh, to me, no. what's A.J. McCarron? It's a fifth-round pick. He had his moments. He had a playoff game. He could, could have won against Pittsburgh. Outside of that, what's a, a, all of a sudden, A.J. McCarron is going to be all-world. Uh, Sam Bradford, he can't stay healthy. Now, Buffalo also has the option. You know about packaging all these draft picks, having this ammunition to move up to get Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, or Mayfield, or Rosen, whoever they feel they can move up to get at that time. They also have the ammunition to package a couple picks for Nick Foles. So the question is, do you want Nick Foles to be your quarterback in Buffalo? Because you have the picks to deal. They say a one and a four. They could very easily do that and still have a lot of picks to work and build up this personnel base. Would you rather have foals for a one and a three, a one and a four, or or go up and get a Josh Allen or a Sam Darnold? 
That's a tough question to answer. Yeah. yeah, that's what they have to figure out because that they have those draft picks. Yeah, it well, takes a, a one and a four to get falls. They can do that. I'll throw they this can go, either they can make, either they can make of you move. dump a one at plus a one plus for Nick Foles. No, Mel? no. I think I think Nick Foles was in a perfect situation with Philadelphia. I'm not saying that against he can't the be. perfect defense in New England for that game. Yeah, I, just, just no. Listen, he played was. lights out. He did, and yes, you could model what what Doug Peterson and that staff did, and and try to get the best out of Foles. I mean, it, but I just think with the the defense that Philly had, the offensive line, they just they had it. They have it going, and yep. and I don't think there there are many other teams in the league that have the personnel top to bottom like the Eagles possess. And so now you're bringing Foles in and asking him to do to replicate his performance in the playoffs with a supporting cast that isn't nearly as good and maybe not maybe not the coaching staff that uh, that Philly has either. So I to me I would rather gamble on one of these young guys than than gamble on on Foles considering we have so much we have a large body of work with Foles. And we kind of I think clear he played so much better than expected last year in those couple games. But I I wouldn't bet that that is the Nick Foles moving forward. I think he's it's somewhere in between. Yeah, and again, I mean, we the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl kind of stands out, but you know, when they were beating Atlanta at home, it wasn't because they were putting up 37 points. I mean, they were hanging on by a thread uh going back to I think it was the December 24th, the Christmas Eve game, we we thought that the Foles and the Eagles bus was officially in the ditch. I mean, so there was multiple times leading up to the Super Bowl we thought there's no chance. There was no value there, and that the you know the absence of Carson Wentz had officially ruined things for this team. Guys, one more team I definitely want to hit as we uh, as we look at the craziness of free agency, what's already happened and what's about to happen, and how it pertains to the NFL draft. When you have three quarterbacks, usually don't have a quarterback. The Vikings have had three quarterbacks. Plus, there's a lot of thought that they are the leader in the clubhouse when it comes to adding Kirk Cousins uh, now that, you know, the tampering period is is about to end because guys don't talk during the non-tampering period. Uh, But, Mel, as you look at the Minnesota Vikings, if they add Kirk Cousins, do they let everybody else go? I mean, is that the assumption there? And the follow-up question to that is, if Bridgewater's gone... Most likely, if Cousins is there, if Case Keenum is gone again, most likely if Cousins is there. I mean, if you get down to a point where it's no Sam Bradford and it's just Kirk Cousins and you know Kyle Sloter, aren't you also maybe thinking of drafting a guy in the third or fourth round once again? I don't know about the third or fourth round. I wouldn't think so. I think with Cousins, they would get the backup. Be either Bradford. I think it would be a guy you could you know is a qualified backup if he's healthy more than qualified when he's been healthy he's been pretty good when he but he can't stay healthy and that role though as a backup a veteran backup wouldn't be a bad thing to have cousins and then bradford i think in minnesota's case the offensive line's the big issue to me is making sure that group is better than they have been that's what cost them in the playoff game against the eagles with keenum getting his arm hit with the interception then the fumble so that offensive line for cousins has to be better uh and i don't care who the quarterback is so for minnesota that's the issue i think going to the draft todd for the vikings drew Brees is Still not a saint yet. He's still unsigned. We'll see what happens there. You got to believe the Saints are bringing him back and going to get that that deal done. We'll see on that. Uh, the whole thing with competition. Who was Arizona's quarterback going to be? 
It's got to be somebody. No it can't be. It can't yeah. be what they have. So, so they're going to get this. The whole, yeah, McCarron's going to be in this mix, and and Keenum's going to be in that mix. Uh, you know, you think about Foles, and we get to go back to Foles. It's tempting, Todd. If you don't, if you're going to lose the guy, and I don't believe they all love these four quarterbacks. They might love two of them, Max, not three or four of them. If you think mm-hmm. you can't get the guy you really deem the best. You're going into the year. You can't go in, obviously, with what you have. Uh, you go in with a guy who's already proven he can win in this league. So you got to look at all the options. You got to have something going there in Buffalo. This was a playoff team with Taylor. You let him go. Now you got to try. If you let him go, you got to figure we got to do better than Taylor. Okay. Who's better than Taylor? Who's deemed better? Obviously, you draft the rookie quarterback, Todd. You said, you know, these guys aren't, are they ready to win? Ready is a, a word that we use like, are they probably not? So if you're Buffalo and you go that route, have for next year, are you writing that year off? Who's going to be your quarterback? Nate Peterman? Or do you bring in Foles and say, now we got the established guy who can be the immediate starter and we don't have to worry about developing him? I think that's going to be an interesting debate within that organization as to whether their option is to go up and get Alan Darnold or use those picks to try to get Nick Foles. I think that's going to be a, a, a lot of fun to see how that plays out. Yeah, and I'm, I think Minnesota to me makes the most sense for, for Cousins. I, I, it's the best roster of the teams that are out pursuing him. It's a team, yes, yeah, the offensive line, they can, they can upgrade, but, you know, you, you still then have a first round pick to, to draft an offensive lineman. And they've, they've got the cap space to do it, to pay him, maybe not pay him as much as the Jets. But if you're Cousins, wouldn't you rather take a little bit less money? And when we're talking about a little bit less money, I'm, I mean, this is millions over millions. Right. So, you're still, you're, this, this contract is setting your family up for like four or five generations. Right. You're talking you about a guarantee you got, of 88 or a guarantee of 93. You're, yeah. Yeah. It also, you let's realize I mean? you got to cut, you got to cut that, that number in half. Okay. <laughs> Whatever that number is, take 50% of that off. live on 40 million though. Yeah. Just remember but that. Again, not, no, he's going to get a three year guarantee to Todd's point. Uh, he's getting pretty yeah. well set up and he can be a free yeah. agent again at 32. Yeah. Oh yeah, and there's, some, there's, it's, some, it's, there's some. Minnesota has some unique. I just learned this the other day on NFL Live. Some they have some unique tax structure. Something basically, whatever the deal is, he's going to make five million dollars more than he would anywhere else because of some tax structure they have with Michigan. And Cousins has a house in Michigan. And listen to you, listen to you. I know. <laughs> right, listen, right. I like that. Hey, hey, Todd. Take the thing million. I think it, it, does he go if you're it's tax season, cousin, folks. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Hey, hey, it's, uh, if you're Kirk Cousins, do you go for the money guy? That, that's what it gets down to. Do you go for the big money or do you go for a team that can maybe get to a Super Bowl with you? That, put it this way. If Kirk Cousins wants to win a Super Bowl, we know where he's going. And I gotta believe, yeah. Jets. Minnesota's the place. I think everybody, although the line's gotta be improved, but I think the, the big thing's gonna be, and again, do you think, does anybody out here think, Case Keenum was about around 58 to 60 percent, jumps way up uh, this past year, okay, in terms of his numbers. Uh, you know, touchdown-interception ratio was about the same, the same amount of touchdowns and interceptions, at least close. This year he goes and has the big year. Somebody's going to think Case Keenum could be the starting quarterback. Who's that going to be? Uh, is it Arizona, Buffalo? Who's Denver. Case Keenum end up with? Somebody's going to get him. It, it, again, I keep the big, hearing the Denver, is, but I, I don't know for sure. Yeah, and Denver is in the mix, but then you got, you know, you, again, Denver – do you draft a quarterback? Say you sign Case Keenum, Todd. Okay. Yep. Are you drafting a quarterback? I am. Okay. I'm, I'm not saying Case Keenum to me is a, is a step above 
and obviously above where Matt, how Matt Flynn was viewed, no question about that, but Matt Flynn was supposed to be the start in Seattle. He drafted Russell Wilson. If you'd sign Case Keenum, are you going to pass on a young quarterback when we know these guys need to be developed? And Case number Keenum, five? Case Keenum becomes your bridge. If I'm Denver at five and I got a shot at Josh Allen and I got Case Keenum, I'm drafting Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, but then you're really staring at an offensive line that needs a lot of work too, though. Yeah, but who are you taking on the offensive line on, at that pick? There's nobody. Nelson? You know, Nelson guard? figures, let's say he's gone. Again, there's, there's a guard, a guard who could be gone, but even if a guard's there, you're taking a guard over Josh Allen if you're Denver and you got Case Keenum? I don't know. Guys, one last question on all of this. Maybe, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey I, I think all these scenarios we're talking about are going to be huge debates, and it isn't easy. It's not easy, that whole Foles or the rookie. Keenum, do you, Keenum, do you still look at the quarterback if you have him? Right. Yeah, I, to me, I Wherever think Wherever McCarron be, lands, you're yeah, still looking yeah, for a still quarterback. Still looking at a I mean, veteran. You're still looking at a young quarterback, yep. even though you have the veteran. You know, so, yeah, Cousins, you don't. I think the answer, Chris, Chris if you're a Minnesotan, you've got Kirk Cousins. I don't think you're looking for any young quarterback in the first few rounds. You're obviously Cousins is your guy. But Keenum and, Keenum and McCarron, uh, I think, uh, allow you to have, uh, explore other options. So here, final question for each of you. In both cases, so let's, Let's let's do it this way and assume let's assume Cousins ends up in Minnesota. In each of those cases, is it possible that whether Keenum ends up with the Jets or Keenum ends up in Denver, if if any of these guys get their what we call their bridge quarterback, do we think the Jets and Denver and possibly Arizona are still all in on drafting a quarterback in round one, even if they get one of those guys? Uh, Todd, I'll just start. Really, it, it depends on if you're talking about some of those teams where they're picking. There's no guarantee a quarterback will even well, we be know there. That, that we they know love. Denver and the and the Jets are. Five, yeah, but not so. Arizona. Not Arizona. Certainly. So you take Arizona out of the equation. If you look at Denver, I just said I would. If you're the Jets, I would. So I wouldn't change my thought process there. And I don't believe. I don't think Darnold and Allen are getting to five or six right now. Wow. I would agree. I think someone's moving up to to get them if they don't go. Hey, five of the last six, five of the last six quarterbacks drafted in the top ten. Going back to the the last time you didn't have to move up to get one of these guys, and I, could, Trubisky obviously the Bears didn't move up far, but they moved up to get their but they guy. Moved up. But five of the last six quarterbacks drafted in the top ten, a trade was involved in getting that done. Obviously, Goff, obviously Wentz, but it's also Mahomes. Uh, going back to Mariota, I mean, these you if you want your guy consistently in, in in the newer era of the draft where salaries and things like that are locked in at a more reasonable number, teams have teams have been able to do it. They've been able to go and get their guy. So to to both of your point, doesn't seem a far fetched that it's going to happen, and and possibly it'll happen weeks before the draft even starts. I mean, that's... that's. So I envision I envision multiple situations like, like what we saw with the Bears last year with Mike Glennon. I, I really do. I, because, listen, Sam Bradford's got to land somewhere. McCarron's got to land somewhere. I mean, if Cousins comes in, you theoretically could have three guys become available for other NFL teams that that you could say are solid starters when healthy. When healthy. Teddy Bridgewater, Keenum, and um, and Bradford. So... I mean, the market, supply and demand very rarely match up, but but this year I think you're going to see a bunch of teams that go out and say, you know what, let's bring in a veteran that we can play year one, but then let's still plan on on drafting a, a quarterback in the first round and maybe even having to move up to go do it. 
But I, I, I really think teams are looking at that, that Bears model a year ago, but also looking at the Eagles and what the Eagles were able to do by having a solid backup and saying, you know what, we can't afford to pay Cousins, but we can pay one of these, these other guys to bridge the gap for us, and then we can, and we're not overpaying to, to get a rookie quarterback, even if we're giving away some draft collateral. Guys, want to take a quick break here, and then we are going to jump into the NFC South, Bucks, Falcons, Panthers, and the Saints. Lots of intrigue around a few of these teams. Jump into draft possibilities for them before we hit the mail. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mel, this is a franchise that has sputtered. Uh, this One of the surprises of the offseason is Dirk Cutter was able to stick around. Um, changes at offensive coordinator. Uh, they need to get this thing going, and obviously, you know, we thought last year was really kind of the pressure year where Jameis Winston sh- needed to show that he can be an upper-tier quarterback. I didn't say star, but upper-tier quarterback. I feel like this year, I mean, this is really it. You get into this territory where you have to start talking about the next contract. What do you think, Mel, as you look at this team, and, you know, is it is it a situation where you're drafting to help Jameis, or you're just trying to get better, period? We're trying to get better, period. Uh, Jameis has to continue to improve. He's been still some wild high on some throws, and he's got to be more consistent. We know that Mike Evans, you know, was he considered a, a, lot, a number one receiver. He's got to start, you know, performing like that on a regular basis as well. Uh, yeah, th- this is a team that is okay at certain spots, but not great. I think the offensive line, uh, would you look at that position to try to upgrade? We know defense, you could, you have some talent, but you could use another big time playmaker there. This is a, a tough, Tough team to project a player to and feel good about it at seven, Todd. They're just, to me, it's all about Winston getting better. Was it enough talent in place for them to win right now with Winston as a quarterback if he does improve? You know, probably. Uh, I think there's enough there to say they could be a playoff team. Hell, a lot of people thought last year thought they were a playoff team going into last year. But yeah, to project a player at seven and feel good about it, I can't right now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they have several needs, let's face it. I mean, the defensive end, they really need Noah Spence and um, and Smith to get healthy after winding up on the, the IR last year. You've got they tried to, from what I hear, bring in Robert Quinn, didn't happen. You've got a cornerback situation. If Brett Grimes winds up leaving, are they going to bring in a Malcolm Butler or a Tremaine Johnson in free agency, or are they going to try to fill that hole with a with a guy like Denzel Ward in, uh, in the draft? So. There are plenty of positions that they can look at. I think defensive end, as you mentioned, offensive guard, defensive tackle, I think uh, cornerback, depending on on the grime situation. And then at some point, I think they need a, a, a better backup at the quarterback position. Not, not till later rounds, but I think that's an area that they could look. So there's a bunch of different places that they could go with that number seven overall pick. I mean, Derwin James would be a possibility if, if he's still there from Florida State. Like I mentioned, corner, you've got Ward. Uh, could Quentin Nelson fall to them at number seven and, and fill that guard position? Uh, Bradley Chubb, I don't think, falls to seven. So are you reaching for uh, Marcus Davenport at defensive end, or are you going to try to get your edge rusher somewhere else? Yeah, that's the thing. If the edge rusher would be, at this stage, probably a little bit of a reach if they want to go that route or trade down. They went with Hargraves a few years ago, and then they go back to Ward. That's the thing there. This It's, it's a tough call. I went with Nelson uh, yeah, because of the guard at seven. Will he be there? I don't know, Todd. I don't know if Nelson will be yeah. there at seven. That's he's very better, iffy. He's, he's not... He's one of the top 
two or three best players in this draft, but he is a guard. So yeah, that, that, there's a chance. That's the, 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 the all these scenarios of, of quarterbacks. Nelson's the the, the biggest. Uh, the best prospect to evaluate from just an intrigue standpoint because of the pure guard position that he plays. He's a great player potentially. He's a plug and play. Everybody says 10 year pro bowler, right? We expect that, but he's a guard. And then how, you know, how high does he go? You could, I was going through this over the weekend, Ty, trying to figure out rankings. You could, you could make it, if you want to play it safe, you could put him number one on your board. You could. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could yeah. say he's the safest pick. We know, forget positional value and philosophy. As a guard, doesn't matter. Is he the best player at his position to have the highest grade of anybody in this draft? Probably you could make an argument he does. So there's the number one overall player on some teams' boards because of philosophy and position dropped to seven. Thought he could. I would probably bet against it now, Todd. I, I just see somebody taking Nelson because he's just too good to pass up, and the team that drafts him is not going to be worrying about is he a guard. We can't take him. They obviously have to believe that that pick, like Zach Martin to Dallas, is kind of a missing link. Is a guard a missing link for any of these teams taking in the top five? You know, and no, a fun- you have to. Oh, go ahead, you have Todd. to assume that uh, I, if you're a if you're a Bucks fan or any of these teams sitting at seven, eight with the Bears, nine, forty niners, ten Raiders. You're rooting for all four of those quarterbacks to come off the board in the in the first six picks. Guys, and a final thought on Tampa Bay. I mean, Mel mentioned it, but this is also a couple of things here. One, there's a talk that Gerald McCoy, who's a guy has been a linchpin player for them, is a guy who could be on the block, which would tell me this is a team that's thinking we gotta we gotta just start over, add as many picks as we can to that philosophy. These guys got flat out lapped last year. New Orleans Saints eleven and five, Carolina eleven and five, Atlanta ten and six, Tampa Bay five and eleven. They might. Those just are think probably the biggest surprise to me of the the NFL regular season last year. I'd say. Right. Was, I thought the Bucks had a chance to kind of take that next step, and they did anything but. Yeah. So it'll be really fascinating to see if this is a team that is just trying to add as many assets as possible. Maybe they're a move down spot if a team like Arizona wants to go up and get a quarterback. For that fourth quarterback available, we'll see. But a lot of uncertainty around Tampa, you know, I guess I've been with that big surprise that they kept their coach. The Atlanta Falcons. They're still really good. They got their quarterback. They got Julio Jones. There's a lot of young talent on the defensive side of the ball. Just wasn't enough to get a playoff win in Philly. But, Mel, this is still a team that feels like they're pretty close. Are we? Am I right? And what does that make you think come draft? Oh, they're close. They're there. Uh, yeah. they, I mean, everybody thought they would be right back into the Super Bowl. And this is a team that's got a lot of talent. Uh, they got a, obviously an organization in place that they know can get them where they want to be. Uh, I think you look at the interior of the offensive line. Free agency could play a role in this as well. Uh, yeah, they don't have many gl- glaring need areas. This is a team that's in really good shape from a personnel standpoint. Unlike Tampa Bay, who's got a decent roster, but needs upgrades at some spots that aren't easily identifiable. With Atlanta, it's the same thing for a different reason. They have big elite-time elite talent at a lot of spots. I think the interior of the offensive line is an area they maybe look look, look to address within the first couple rounds. Uh, everybody, everywhere else, Todd, they are in pretty good shape. A lot of people think maybe they go for a DB. I think the interior of the offensive line would be ahead of that on my list. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, at the offensive guard position, what they wind up doing. Are they going to, are they going to try to ink a deal with Andrew Norwell? There's been a lot of chatter about that, a free agent from Carolina. If not, then, you know, it may be too rich for them. And so if not, are they going to wind up trying to attack that guard position later in the first round where there's, there 
likely will be some some talent there. You know, I, uh, James Daniels from Iowa has played guard. He's he's probably a better fit at center, but he he could play. He could certainly play that spot. Will Hernandez from UTEP is is a possibility. Um, we got Win from from uh, Georgia. I mean, there's there's some guards that are worth that late first or second round draft pick, and I, I think they could plug that need. I think other areas you look at. Uh, continuing to upgrade the pass rush, I think, is going to be something that they, they need to do. And, I, you know, you got Vic Beasley, who's, who's proven that he can be a, a, a good sack producer, but uh, do they, they just need more depth. And I think from the interior of their defensive front, they could add another guy. Uh, to me, that would, would amp up their pass rush and, and allow them to be great rushing the quarterback for four quarters rather than just for then you know two and a half so those are a couple of areas cornerback was another spot safety i think that they they could take a look as well but um but guard i think is probably with matt ryan coming off his best two seasons and playing at a, at a high level i mean you you can argue he's one of the elite seven eight quarterbacks in this league You've got to make sure he's protected. I mean, he's he's a decent mover in the pocket, but that's not his game. So, that taking away that interior pass rush and providing him some some comfort in the pocket is a big key when it comes to this Atlanta team. So, I, I think that will be the the number one number one pursuit for this team, whether it's in free agency or earlier in the draft. The Carolina Panthers. This is a bit of a fascinating situation because. You have Cam Newton, and there's. it seems that there's an annual question about whether Cam has enough help. Last year, uh, this team was extremely aggressive in the draft. I mean, when you go Christian McCaffrey in round one, um, and then obviously they added uh, Curtis Samuel in round two. I mean, they, were, they literally are doing everything they can to outfit this quarterback with added weapons, added speed. They've drafted guys like Devin Funchess in recent years. You know, the the question about how far the offense can go is now it transcends even their personnel because they went out and they added they brought in the great fix it, Norv Turner, who's fixed plenty of offenses in his time, and yet the the question I'll start with you, Mel. Maybe Star Lotulule is not back uh, via free agency. Julius Peppers, the idea that he might not play till he's uh, ninety years old is a question. Um, so. You know, it's interesting. Do they need to do something offensively or do they go back to the D-line, kind of a bread and butter, really what's carried them on um, in recent years? Yeah, you think about wide receiver on the offensive side. They had Torrey Smith. They traded Daryl Worley, a cornerback, yep. uh, uh, to Philadelphia for Torrey Smith, who's, you know, had some production coming out as a second-round pick out of Maryland um, here in Baltimore and Philadelphia. You think about the, the ability <laughs> he has, but inconsistent. Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you, why not? why not? You know, bring in Torrey Smith and then also draft another Maryland receiver in DJ Moore. Uh, DJ Moore to me is, is better than Torrey there Smith was go. coming out. So I'd go maybe that Wind route, Todd. Yeah, I thought James Washington maybe is a possibility when I did the mock. I still think wide receiver, even though you get Torrey Smith would be. Worley moves on to the Eagles, cornerback they could look at, but I'm thinking maybe, uh, maybe go with another Maryland Terrapin in DJ Moore, Todd. Yeah, it's a, it's a possibility. I'm also interested to see they may not be done when going the veteran route. They, you know, Mike Wallace could be a possibility. Allen Robinson is going to cost an awful lot, I think, from Jacksonville coming off the injury. Um, Sammy Watkins could be a possibility. There, there's some veterans out there that they could still decide, hey, let's let's get this taken care of before the draft, and then and then when it comes to us drafting, we can 
we can address some of those other needs, whether it's offensive line, uh, edge rusher, or a couple couple areas that I think that they could upgrade. And to me, that that might be the best route is to get a proven guy that can come in and be ready for Cam right away. And if it is on the offense line, it would be that guard spot with Norwell moving on. So if it is a guard, then it's the same names we talked about as possibilities with other teams. Isaiah Wynn from Georgia, Hernandez, UTEP. So uh, that's a position where Billy Price versatility coming out of Ohio State. There's a lot of different options they would have if they want to address the offensive guard position. Uh, And obviously, uh, you think about Christian Kirk, wide receiver Texas A&M, DJ Moore, is DJ Chark from from LSU moved up enough to be in consideration there. I I think even though you try for Torrey Smith, I think they still would draft a receiver in the first two rounds. The New Orleans Saints. All right, well, let's let's preface this and say that let's live in a reality where Drew Brees is your starting quarterback in 2018. If he's not, Josh, you can just take this segment, light it on fire, because then, then we have no idea where we are. Um, right. If Chase Daniels your quarterback or if you're in the market for uh, Case Keenum, I, I don't know. I, I assume Drew Brees will be back. I think they'll get this thing wrapped up. Maybe they're doing it right now, from what I've heard. Uh, so let's assume that. From that standpoint, I mean, the most improved unit on the planet last year was the New Orleans State's defense. After years where it really held them back, after years where Drew Brees was wasted, uh, they got things together pretty well on defense, went with a lot of young players. Marshawn Lattimore uh, being probably the breakout rookie of the year on the defensive side of the ball. And then on, on offense, it was really interesting. Todd, I'll let you get kicked off here, but the question was, is well, is Ted Ginn enough of a number two? Well, when Alvin Kamara is catching you know 80 passes for you, your offense isn't one of those classic situations where you need that spectacular number two to go with Michael Thomas, who's obviously a legit number one. As you look at what this team needs, maybe it's more blocking help for your aging quarterback, or maybe you want to double down on the growth on defense. What what stands out to you? Well, the first thing is they, they killed it in the draft last year. I mean, oh, obviously unbelievable. Ramchick from the tackle from Wisconsin, Alvin Kamara, they get in the third round. Pick 67 overall. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Anzalone, Alex Anzalone was, was helpful and, and productive for a guy who came in at pick 76 overall. So to me that, you know, if they continue to draft like that, it's only going to get better and better, I think, for the Saints team the next couple of years. With that said, I think offensive guard is an area that, that can be improved and they're drafting just around, you know, one pick after the Falcons, a few picks after the Panthers. So it's the same names that we've mentioned for both of those guys in terms of the offensive guards that could be available late in the first round. Wide receivers, another position. I think tight end could be another position. It'll be interesting to see if they bring Jimmy Graham back uh, to New Orleans where he had so much success earlier in his career, but is Graham still that player? Is he capable of that? in that system. I, I don't think he can put up the same numbers, but could be productive as he was a few years ago. And then edge rusher, I think, is another area that they could continue to look. And at some point, Mel, mm-hmm. some point it's got to be quarterback too, I think. I think this is a perfect time. I, I actually gave him Lamar Jackson in my last mock draft coming out of Louisville because I think it would be a perfect fit for Lamar. And I don't know that the Saints are going to be willing to part ways if so to speak, with the 27th pick while in this small window to win with Drew Brees. But you get in that second day of the draft, it wouldn't surprise me a bit if the Saints are, are in the market for a Kyle Lalletta type coming out of Richmond. 
Yeah, uh, where's the ding with with Kyle Oletta and Todd McShane? <laughs> I mean, come on, I'm, I'm getting killed on Maryland. You're not going to get killed on Richmond. Are you kidding me, Todd? So, so I got your agent working in here too, and Josh Macker. Uh, I got a lot of agents, Todd. A lot of people in your corner, pal. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Dallas. Uh, you look at, at what uh, Dallas Goddard, tight end from South Dakota State, could mean to this team. You look at what a Hayden Hurst from South Carolina could mean to this team. If they want to wait a little bit on Mark Andrews from Oklahoma, or Mike Desicki from Penn State, or Jordan Aikens from Central Florida, there's there's got to be a tight end, Todd. I would bet you that, and I would guarantee that this is at some point early in this draft, Saints are getting a tight end. They're going to bring in a tight end. Some of you mentioned Graham. Graham, when he was a Saint, was huge. When he's gone, this position, and we said that trade kind of, you know, kind of hurt both teams. You know, it hurt the Saints yep. in the interior and hurt where they were. They upgraded the interior, hurt, hurt Seattle from that standpoint. So I think you look at, at the value of the tight end for Drew Brees, who's 39 right now. And if you draft the quarterback, you're going to have him sit, just like with Favre and Aaron Rodgers, sit for three years. And Drew Brees probably has three good years left. And that's going to be a perfect scenario for any of these quarterbacks that are developmental guys, be it Jackson, be it Lawletta, be it any of those guys at that point. But I think tight end, they got to get one. Uh, it was too valuable. The drop-off was was huge. It was significant. You were guaranteed 85 catches with Graham, and that's who he went to, Brees did. I think Brees, before his career ends, as his Hall of Fame career ends, uh, he's got to get that type of tight end. And I think in the first round, the two guys, look at would be, and I projected them Hayden Hurst from South Carolina uh, or a Dallas Goddard from South Dakota State. Those would be your two, I think, first round options. The other guys I mentioned, Andrews is more of a two from Oklahoma, Gasicki Penn State, two, Aiken's probably a two, three. So I think in the first round it would be either Goddard or Hurst. Guys, we have a few minutes here to hit a few questions. Todd, I'll let you get started here. A uh, guy that's name has kind of flown under the radar because of an injury. West Garland at West Garland 43 asks, where do you see Bama linebacker Sean Dion Hamilton being drafted? He was a Buckus candidate before the injuries. Uh, people don't know him, number 20 for Bama, if you if you saw anything. But good player, uh, hurt the knee, hopes it essentially to be ready before the draft, but obviously affects his stock. Yeah, it does. I mean, he's a... He's a- 5'11 and change. He's under six foot, 228 pound linebacker. Kind of a shorter arm guy, kind of squatty type build, if you will. And I think you know, when he was at his best, yeah, when he was at his best, I thought he good run stopper, average in coverage. And to me, with, with no durability issues, maybe a fourth rounder, but probably more likely, you know, later on, on day three because of the injury history and, and concern for his long term durability. Mel, I'll let you take this one, Joe mm-hmm. at Joe Daddy fifty two, because I know you watch Notre Dame football a little bit. Where's all this hate of McGlinchey? I don't know if there's hate. I just don't know if he's falling in the first round. But this guy says, you know, he looks like a solid first rounder to me. Is it a case of having too much tape and people wondering, you know, how this last season went? Well, it's a case of you go back when he was a right tackle. He he was outstanding. When he was a left tackle, he struggled. So he's going to have to be a right tackle in the NFL, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, it's not like there's no hate there. It's just that as a left tackle, he's not going to be your guy as a top 10 to 15 pick. So does he go late first round? He very easily could. He's a great kid. He's a hardworking kid. He's smart. And uh, he will be. I w- talk about plug-and-play guys. Quentin Nelson will be a plug-and-play guard. McGlinchey is a right tackle, I believe, can start as a rookie and do a really solid job for you. So yeah, he's he's probably going to end up in, the, I'd say, between 20 and 32, somewhere in there. Uh, possibly early second if he dropped that far. It would be a great pick for somebody. So 
So I like McGlinchey. I just, you just don't love him as much as you once did because he struggled at left tackle this year. I'll let Todd follow up with a uh, Notre Dame guy so Mel doesn't get all of them. Greg Pappas, Greg Pappas asks, guys, in your estimation, what separates St. Brown? I won't even try the first name. I call him ESB from other top receivers. Equinemius. Equinemius. And is he a round one selection or would that surprise you? I thought Equinemius, now that I have it down, had a really good combine, Todd. Does that get him even into the possible pictures as a round one type? I don't think round one, <clears throat> excuse me, but I wouldn't be surprised if he wound up coming off the board in, in round two. And certainly I, I think he's a, a day two prospect. It just, his tape's frustrating because he doesn't get a lot of targets. Their passing game for, for Notre Dame was not what it's, what it was supposed to be or what it should be uh, a year ago. But Equinemius, he, he led the team, I think, for the last two years in, in receptions. So he did what he could with what he had to work with. He's six four and a half, two hundred and fourteen yeah, pounds. He ran pretty well too at that size. He did. He ran well. His, his workout was outstanding. And you know, he's not the the strongest guy, thickest guy, but he is tall, long, thirty-three inch arms, which is among the I would say two or three of if you're looking at the top thirty receivers in this draft, he's he's probably second or third in terms of the arm length. And you add that that size, just a huge catch radius. And uh, I, I think he's got a chance, continues to develop as a route runner. He's got a chance to be a, a really good starting pro in the NFL, Mel. And this is a guy, again, with, you can throw the ball anywhere around him, and he's got a chance to go get it because of his ability to leap, his height, and his arm length. Uh, this guy's got some upside. Yeah, and I think what you said about the quarterback position is true. Watching Notre Dame, yeah, you know what their strength was. It was, you know, Josh Adams in that running game. And I think you look at the ability of Equimania St. Brown as a pro, uh, to be a guy who I think is sitting in that war room, sitting in that, as they evaluate these receivers and you think second round, uh, I don't see him getting to the third round. I really don't. I think in the second round, you roll the dice. We've seen Doriel Green Beckham go in the second round and other receivers. Yeah, I think this kid could be, could be decent to good. Uh, can he be great? We'll see. But, uh, as, as a talented kid with you talk about we talk about upside he's got it so yeah i think no later than round two for him all right guys let's hit one last one mel you can get us started eric at ohio gooner ass he's a browns fan says he'd prefer sony michelle at say 33 over Mm -hmm. saquon barkley in the verse his concern is lack of a big workload or the proof there that he can carry rarely had 20 plus carries obviously bradley chubb was uh Getting some of the looks there in the in the loaded Georgia backfield, is this a guy? He asks. Is he's kind of like a Lamar Miller type who'd be a lot better with a fifteen carry type workload? Well, I think you look at the running backs overall. I think that's going to be the debate. Can you get one? As I said with John Dorsey, he got Kareem Hunt in the third round. So yeah, I've always believed you can find those guys. I think Nick Chubb is going to be a really good third round pick for somebody. Uh, loved what he did coming back from the injury two years ago. He certainly has moment. Michelle finished stronger, but Michelle's got ball security that's going to have to be uh, eliminated. Those issues there for him. So I think I think you get if you can get Nick Chubb, Todd, in round three. I think Naheem Hines. I've talked to him as a Darren Sproles type of the return game, catching the ball out of NC State. So a different kind of player there. Chubb can be a starting running back. Hines is an accent piece. So if you want the accent piece in Hines in the third round, 
I think a really good pick. If you want the running back, it could be really good and be a steal. Nick Chubb would be that guy in round three for me. And if you talk about running against stacked boxes, Darius Geis did it more than anybody at LSU for obvious reasons. The passing game was was obviously a big question mark. Quarterback play below average, even though Etling improved. But I think you look at, at Barkley had the advantage of having a quarterback and Mick Sorley who could make some plays in the passing game. But uh, yeah, Barkley's going to go one two, and Geis is going to go first or early for first or early to mid second round. And I think Michelle and Chubb, Todd, go third round. Guys, we hit the Browns, Tyrod Taylor, all the craziness there, the Bills, all that they can do, the QB dominoes across the league, and how that could shift the draft. Obviously, Bucks, Falcons, Panthers, Saints. We'll do it again next week. I'm Chris Sproul for Mel and Todd. That's first draft. Uh, I would advise that you follow Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen on Twitter the next two days, and uh, we'll talk about the fallout this time next week. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.